Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Today we're going to talk about cattle mutilation again, uh, but this time I want to focus on a case that happened in 1897. Uh, but before we get into that case, I want to discuss how cattle mutilation is basically looked at by people within the mainstream. Uh, for instance, well, if you go to the uh, cattle mutilation section in Wikipedia, uh, they, there's a, this article, uh, according to somebody, has multiple issues. Um, uh, and one of the issues is that, it's, that it has, okay, there's somebody who obviously filed a complaint against this article. Somebody doesn't like the way it was presented, a debunker most certainly. And it says, this article may present fringe theories without giving appropriate weight to the mainstream view and explaining the responses to the fringe theories. So basically, uh, the, as far as I'm concerned, I believe that the, uh, why should uh, aliens being responsible for cattle mutilation be considered a fringe theory? It's very reasonable as far as I'm concerned. I mean, for decades now, uh, uh, this has been something that's been investigated. Never been It's never been resolved by anyone, although there are many uh, people out there, uh, like, for instance, cultural historians who will tell you things like, well, this is just a, a dangerous conspiracy theory. Be really afraid. I don't see what, what's so dangerous about reality. The reality is, is that there are cattle that get mutilated very mysteriously, and there's no explanation for it, uh, and we still have no explanation for it, but yet the the fringe theory would be extraterrestrials when in fact over the decades they, these craft have been seen hovering over pastures where there have been uh, cattle that were later found mutilated so that seems the most likely reason I mean there's never in a lot of cases their uh, bones are broken uh, from from these from cattle uh, their, their bones are broken as if they're dropped from incredible heights uh, <clears throat> after being mutilated uh, well let's just go through this uh, article here it says uh, on wikipedia i want to read some of the things it says and then we'll get into this 1897 case it says uh cattle mutilation also known as bovine excision and unexplained livestock death or animal mutilation is a supposed killing and mutilation of cattle under unusual usually bloodless circumstances this phenomenon has been claimed to have been observed among wild animals as well. Worldwide, sheep, horses, goats, pigs, rabbits, cats, dogs, bison, deer, and elk have been reported mutilated with similar bloodless excisions, often an ear, eyeball, jaw, flesh, tongue, lymph nodes, genitals, and rectum are removed. Since the first reports of animal mutilations, various explanations have been offered, ranging from natural decomposition and normal predation to cults and secretive government and military agencies to a range of speculations including cryptid predators such as chupacabra and extraterrestrials mutilations have been the subject of two independent federal investigations in the united states yeah there's been two investigations and guess what they turned up they don't have any answers for you folks there there are no answers except uh speculation more speculation oh it could be satanic cults oh it could be predators uh, but uh, extraterrestrials, uh. Uh, as we know, a lot of these cases, people actually saw the craft before, and then the, the a cow is mutilated. It's 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 simple. It's very simple logic. I mean, you put one, uh, two and two together, you come up with four. Um, anyway, it gets into a lot of different stuff. It talks about the earliest uh, uh, outbreak of livestock deaths. Uh, uh, with related to this phenomenon but it talks about the the really first widespread uh news story with regard to to this phenomenon the snippy horse death unexplained livestock deaths were relatively unknown until 1967 when the pueblo chieftain published a story about a horse called snippy 
that was mysteriously killed and mutilated in Alamosa, Colorado on September 9th, 1967. Agnes King and her son Harry reportedly found the dead body of their three-year-old horse. The horse's head and neck had been skinned and defleshed, and the body displayed cuts that, to King, looked very precise. No blood was at the scene, according to Harry, and a strong medicinal odor was in the air. The story was republished by the wider press and distributed nationwide. This case was the first to feature speculation that extraterrestrial beings and unidentified flying objects were associated with mutilation. A subsequent investigation by Wadsworth Iyer for the Condon Committee concluded that there was no evidence to support the assertion that the horse's death was associated in any way to abnormal causes. Uh, when the Lewis's phoned Alamosa County Sheriff Ben Phillips, he told him that the death was probably due to a lightning strike and never bothered to visit, visit the site. Early press coverage of the case misnamed Lady as Snippy. Snippy was Lady's sire and belonged to Nellie's husband, Burl Lewis. Later press coverage mentions that the horse had been shot in the rump. However, two students from the Alamosa State College confessed to sneaking out into the pasture and shooting the horse several weeks after the case was publicized. Uh, that case was never uh, verified. Uh, people, a lot of people, a lot of hoaxers will have stepped forward and, and come up with various uh, reasons as to what really happened there. But it doesn't matter because whatever the case, throughout the 1970s and right up until right now, I mean, we, I've just talked about uh, cattle, mutilate, cattle mutilations going on right now in different parts of the world, including in Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. Uh, so it's still ongoing and never, it, it, it has never stopped and it continues to this day. Um, but anyway, the character it talks about the characteristics, and we all know what the characteristics are for the most part. But it says here in Wikipedia, in most cases, mutilation wounds appear to be clean and carried out surgically. Mutilated animals are sometimes reported to have been drained of blood and shows no sign of blood in the immediate area or around their wounds. According to Howard Burgess, nearly 90% of mutilated cattle are between four and five years old. In some cases, strange marks or imprints near the site have been found have been found. In the famous Snippy case, there was an absolute absence of tracks in a one hundred foot radius of the carcass. Even the horse's own tracks disappeared within a hundred feet. But within this radius, several small holes were found seemingly punched in the ground and two bushes were absolutely flattened. So that's how that's how it is folks. As we all know, a lot of times there are marks found in the ground near near these mutilations. Obviously, uh, these craft have landed uh, for, you know, during the course of whatever whatever they're doing. Uh, so that's what it is. In a lot of these cases, it's most this this most reasonable explanation is that there are extraterrestrials doing this. They are the ones who are responsible. Uh, it's not predators. It's not satanic cults. It's just that's just not what it is. I mean, the way these parts of the beasts are surgically removed, blood is drained. It's just it's done with surgical surgical precision. So it's not. Uh, I mean, unless you're, you're going to tell me that coyotes are coming in there uh, wearing uh, uh, surgical masks and, and, and equipped with uh, uh, razor blades. Uh, come on, it's crazy. That's crazy. That should be the fringe theory here. But anyway, this is something that's been getting reported for many, many years, actually. It was, you know, the first, like it says even in this article, was in the 1600s. But there was a case uh, in 1897 where uh, something happened. There was a person named Alexand Alexander Hamilton from Kansas. And we're going to read this article. This was by Chuck Zukowski. We're going to go through this. And it's uh, from his website, ufonut.com. 
And it says here, did Alexander Hamilton, a local Kansas rancher, personally experience a UFO sighting, which escalated into one of our first documented ca- documented cattle mutilation cases in 1897? Uh, and then he goes on here to say, it says, on April 23rd, 1897, the Kansas Farmers Advocate published a story about a phenomenal event experienced by Al- Alexander Hamilton, a local rancher living in Kansas. After the article was published, it was reprinted in newspapers all over America and Europe. In his book, Anatomy of a Phenomena, by researcher Jacques Vallée back in 1965, Vallée brought this article into the media limelight. Later in years, some publications, including Fate magazine, concluded the event was a hoax due to Alexander Hamilton being part of an elite group of citizens known as the Liars Club. Their information came from a 1943 article from a Kansas newspaper called The Buffalo Enterprise, in which Mrs. Donna Steeby of Wichita, Kansas, wrote that her 93-year-old mother Mother, Ethel Shaw, when younger, had actually heard the tall tale from Hamilton himself, and he admitted it was all a hoax. Uh, so that's hearsay. That's hearsay. We don't know if that's true. We don't know if that part's true. All we could tell, all we do know, is that Hamilton himself actually signed an affidavit stating that everything that happened that he reported was true. That's what we do know. We don't know about this some lady from 1943 who heard something from her 93-year-old mother. Uh, we don't know how how's that how do we know that's that's passed down through the generations that's third-hand information it, it's it's hearsay it's hearsay as a debunker would show any debunker who would look at this should say well that's hearsay but they won't they'll go by that they'd rather go by that this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want discover williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com anyway continuing it said here hamilton inside an affidavit notarized by 10 notable notable members of the community of Leroy, kansas where they live the affidavit was dated april 21st 1897 and hamilton staked his sacred honor on the truth of the event not to discredit fate magazine or ethel shaw but let's look at hamilton's tale and then compare it to what happened in the general area of kansas last year december of 2015 and the beginning of this year january 2016 so yeah there were things going on in kansas in 2015 and 2016 uh that Rakowski's talking about here but of course it's been going on forever it's always been going on uh it's never stopped Anyway, continuing here, and this, this, his source was The Great Airship Mystery, a UFO of the 19, 1890s by Daniel Cohen. Um, and here's, here was, this is from the article here. It says, last Monday night about 10.30, we were awakened by a noise among the cattle. I arose thinking that perhaps my bulldog was performing pranks. But upon going to the door, I saw to my utter astonishment that an airship was slowly descending upon my cow lot about 40 rods, 600 feet from the house. Calling my tenant, Jit, Jid Guest Heslip, and my son, Wall, we seized some axes and ran to the corral. Meanwhile, the ship had been gently descending until it was not more than 30 feet above the ground and we came within 50 yards of it. It consisted of a great cigar-shaped portion, possibly 300 feet long, with a carriage underneath. The carriage was made of glass or some other transparent substance alternating with a narrow strip of some material. It was brightly lighted within and everything was plainly visible. It was occupied by six of the strangest beings I ever saw. They were jabbering together, but we could 
could not understand a word they said. Every part of the vessel, which was not transparent, was of a dark reddish color. We stood mute with wonder and fright. Then some noise attracted their attention, and they turned a light directly upon us. Immediately, on catching sight of us, they turned on some unknown power, and a great turbine wheel, about 30 feet in diameter, which was revolving slowly be below the craft, began to buzz, and the vessel rose slightly as a bird when about 300 feet above us it seemed to pause and to hover directly above a two-year-old heifer which was bawling and jumping apparently fast uh, fast in the fence going to her we found some material fastened in a slip knot around her neck and going up the vessel from the heifer tangled in the wire fence we tried to get it off but could not so we cut the wire loose to see the ship heifer and all rise slowly disappearing in the northwest we went home, but I was so frightened I could not sleep. Rising early Tuesday, I started out on my horse, hoping to find some trace of my cow. This I failed to do, but coming back in the evening, found that Link Thomas, about three or four miles west of Leroy, had found the hide, legs, and head in his field that day. He, thinking that someone had butchered a stolen beast, had brought the hide to town for identification, but was greatly mystified in not being able to find any tracks in the soft ground. After identifying the hide by my brand, I went home, but every time I would drop, in, drop to sleep, I would see the cursed thing with its big lights and hideous people. I don't know whether they are devils or angels or what, but we all saw them, and my whole family saw the ship, and I don't want any more to do with them. Let me just stop there. So he was seeing something. He's calling. He doesn't know if they're angels or devils. Uh, sounds like extraterrestrials to me. And as we know, in that same year, 1897, something did crash uh, uh, in Texas, uh, in Aurora, Texas. And that the, the, the report of, uh, of that incident, the, it was very clear that what was... Uh, what was guy, what was controlling that airship that crashed was a being that was not of this earth and and they figured it was from mars and then they buried it in the in the uh, local cemetery anyway uh rutowski has this analysis of the story we'll go through some of this it says the description of the craft mimics airships of that time period, the first flown by Henry Gifford in 1852, which was steam-powered. What's interesting about the story is how it's very similar to, the, to today's sightings. Uh, he gets into how they, the, the, you know, the, it was, it consisted of a great cigar-shaped portion, possibly 300 feet long. And then uh, Rutkowski talks about, you know, there are cigar-shaped UFOs are still being seen today. As of this writing, the National UFO Reporting Center has eight listings so far in 2016 from Seattle, Washington, down to Eagles River, Arkansas, with two separate sightings reported in Joplin, Missouri. There's over 2,500 cigar-shaped cases reported on this website, and that was as of 2016 folks so i'm sure that number has has risen and then he compares with the animal animal mutilation it says the airship picks up a cow and then cow parts were found three to four miles west of Leroy and appeared to have been dropped due to leaving no tracks in the soft ground if that story wasn't enough in volume 38 number 11 of fate magazine's issue no november of 1985 was printed a story called cattle killing ufo of 1896 one year before hamilton's story in august of 1896 in Howell County, Missouri, a family experienced a UFO encounter. So this was, wasn't the only time that it happened in the 1800s. Uh, and here were some excerpts that Rutkowski put together from Fate, that Fate magazine article from uh, 1985. It says, All at once we saw flashing lights. At first we thought they were a star shower, but the stars 
stayed in a circle as if they were all strung together like beads. The circle of lights just kept whirling and falling toward us. I ran to my mother and clung to her skirts, crying and shaking so hard that I could barely stand. It stopped and hovered over the barn. We could now see it was a large saucer-like shape. Its lights were blinding. The whole barn lot lit up like day. My father grabbed up the baby who was sleeping on a pallet and we fled into the house. The next morning when Ben took his dog Cappy and went out to the pasture to bring up the milk cows as he always did, he came running back to the house scared out of his wits. In a large patch of burned grass were three of our steers lying dead on the ground. The father then examined the steers and noticed they were completely drained of blood. Uh, so there you go. Uh, it's happened. It happened a year before someplace else. Uh, and then he talks about uh, real animal mutilation cases consist of the following. The, an, an animal is picked up at location A, then mutilated at location B, then placed at location C. Animal found with uh, Animals are found with usual lesions and lack of blood. Animals appear to have been dropped or placed. No animal struggle evidence found. No predator takedown evidence found. No human evidence found. No tracks of any kind. Sometimes strange lights are seen in the area before and even after the mutilation. So I tell you, I, I put it forth right now. Let me just stop right there. I put it forth to you right now. What's more fringe to say that it's it's people, members of satanic cult, predators, or or that it's uh, up, it's extraterrestrial? I think the more fringe uh, position would be to say that it's something that it could not have been. Uh, so there you go. I, as far as I'm concerned, the fringe position on cattle mutilations is uh, would be that uh, oh, it's a satanic cult. Oh, it's uh, predators. Oh, well. Uh, you know, it, it was just de natural decomposition. Yeah, that's all it was. Uh, I will say this. Uh, this is something that's been happening over many, many, many years, and it's still happening today, and there is no... The mainstream has presented some speculation, but they have not presented... Uh, and to me, it all, their speculation sounds, sounds fringy to me. That sounds like it's fringe because they, that's, not, that's not what's going on here. That's not what's been reported. It never is. It never really has. Now, of course, I'm sure there are some cases of cattle mutilation uh, where a predator might be responsible, right? Of, of course, right? Of course. But there are many, many others, right, where it's not predators and most certainly not people. No one's ever been caught doing it. So as far as I'm concerned, the fringe explanation uh, would be those. That, that's that to me. The, the, the more reasonable explanation is the fact that, you know, there are beings here. I know that for a fact, right? Other people know that for a fact. Our government officials are lying to, lying to us about this presence here. And obviously these uh, beings are doing something with the cattle. Uh, are they eat, using them for food? We don't know. That's uh, all. That's all speculation. But the but the reality is is that the most reasonable explanation for all of this is that these uh, uh, cattle are being mutilated mutilated by extraterrestrial beings or non-human intelligent beings, whatever way you want to put it. Okay, uh, I want to move on here. There's a sad sad story to report, and that's about uh, uh, Calvin Parker. Of course, uh, Calvin Parker is. One of the two people who, in 1973, uh, while fishing on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi, uh, saw a UFO landing right ne near him and his uh, partner, Charles Hickson, at the, uh, who were fishing at the time. And they were dragged into this ship by these robotic-type beings, and uh, they had some sort of a medical exam c conducted on them, and then they were left back out. Now he has died at the age of 68, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very sad. Here's a article I want to talk about that was in the Clarion Ledger 
uh, from the Mississippi Clarion Ledger. It says, uh, it com- the headline reads, It completely changed my life. Calvin Parker, a Mississippi man allegedly abducted by aliens, has died. And this was just uh, published on September 2nd. Calvin Parker of Moss Point, Mississippi, one of two men who claimed to have been abducted by aliens in Mississippi in 1973, has died following a life that was dictated by the alleged event. It completely changed my life, Parker told the Clarion Ledger on November 7th, 2022. It was just a... It's just a deal in life that happens and you don't have any control over it. Maybe if I was a little older, I would have handled it better, but I wasn't and I didn't. Uh, Parker was 19 at the time, uh, said he and co-worker Charles Hickson were fishing, who were fishing from a pier on the Pascagoula River near Pascagoula on the night of October 11th, 1973, when he noticed blue light reflecting off the water. He said at first he thought it was coming from law enforcement officers coming to tell him uh, them to leave the property. Uh, then he looked up and saw a craft that he estimated was 80 feet long with blinding light coming from it. He said it was hovering and a hissing sound was coming from it. He described it as being football shaped. Uh, Parker said the two men were levitated into the craft by three aliens with hands like crab claws, examined by something that looked like a large eye, and then returned to the riverbank. The two reported the incident to law enforcement, and as the news spread around the world, their lives changed. Hickson, who died in 2011 at the age of 80, was very public about the incident. Parker, however, didn't embrace the attention. Uh, in the years that followed, Parker said he changed jobs and relocated to other towns when people realized who he was. It was just something he didn't want to discuss. Decades later, at the urging of his wife, Waynette, Parker wrote a book about the encounter to set the record straight. I felt like everyone deserved an explanation, Parker told the Clarion Ledger in 2018. Everyone has an expl- expiration date, and I wanted to get this out there before I die. I've had some near-death experiences, and I'm in bad health. I just wanted to do it. So that's a sad story that, uh, you know, this thing really had a, a, a derogatory effect on his life. And at the end, he decided to talk about it. I have talked about uh, Calvin Parker before on here on this podcast. And I'm really sad to see that he's uh, not with us anymore. I think 68 uh, much too young uh, in this day and age. Uh, I really think it's just sad. And, and But I'm glad that uh, he did come forward and, and tell the world, hey, this is the truth. He was... You know, he, he he was upset that uh, the government has never come clean about this. And uh, unfortunately, here's another person who was touched by this. In, this, in his uh, situation, it was in a bad way. It had a derogatory effect on his life. And he never got to hear the truth from the government. The, uh, the government that we put in place has never been uh, clean with him, clean with the rest of us. And now he's gone. He's gone to his grave uh, with... Uh, Never, never being told more from the people that are in charge uh, that we put in charge, which is really sad. Well, here was an article from September uh, 2021 in the. Uh, uh, I'll leave a link here for it. this. Was uh, the uh, Country Roads magazine, and uh, in the article it says uh, the the headline reads the Pascagoula abduction. It gets into it a little bit more, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more. It says here for 46 years I. It, I kept it a secret. I didn't even tell my wife about it, Calvin Parker told me in his thick Mississippi accent, referring to the evening of of October 11th, 
1973, that evening, Parker was fishing on the Pascagoula River with his friend Charles Hickson. It was his first day on the job at F.B. Walker & Sons Shipyard, a job Hickson had helped him to get. He was 19 years old, his wedding a month away, with aspirations to live a simple life. I wanted to get married, wanted to have children, wanted to have grandchildren, wanted to buy a house, retire, and fish, said Parker, now 67, over the phone from the back porch of his current home in Moss Point, Mississippi. So the retiring and fishing has come about, but it was a long battle to get there. Pascagoula native Rebecca Davis distinctly remembers Parker and Hickson's story first breaking when she was 12 years old. I was at a friend's house, and you know we live in the Bible Belt. I asked my friend's dad why he was putting aluminum foil in the windows, Davis recalled over the phone. He told me it was to keep the aliens from getting to her brains. <laughs> when Davis got home, she immediately asked her parents and grandparents about the aliens. I was stopped in my tracks and told, we do not talk about these things. Don't ever mention it again, Davis said. I was brought up a missionary Baptist, and so yeah, it was taboo. You didn't talk about it, and pretty much South Mississippi was that way. Despite the outward secrecy, when Davis's grandmother passed away in 2005 and the family cleaned out her house, Davis discovered her grandmother had saved every local newspaper article about the case of Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson. The events the two men reported that night thoroughly derailed Parker's pursuit of a quiet mundane life. It had all started when Hickson asked Parker if he wanted to go fishing after work. Parker, new to town, hadn't brought his fishing gear with him, so Hickson offered to loan him some of his. Now, for a man that loves to fish from the south to offer you to use his fishing equipment, that's like offering you his wife, Parker said. Just unheard of. Uh, now, I'm going to skip through this article, because I did go through this article before in a previous podcast, but... Uh, uh, I want to get to the parts where he was talking about what happened, that the incident, uh, when they actually saw the uh, the object come uh, and land near them. It says when the men stood up and turned around, they didn't. They said they didn't see police cars. They thought they thought of, when they saw these lights coming toward them, they thought it was going to be the police tell them, "Hey, you're on private property. You got to get out of here." But that's not what it was. Instead, they saw a long ovular craft. It was floating about two feet above the ground, and it was throwing out this really blinding bright light uh, and then there were these bulky creatures according to Parker I still didn't know what they were that that were coming toward us by the time they got to us I still couldn't see but because the lights were so bright he described the two of the creatures grabbed Hicks and his partner and uh, and that's when it carried uh, and that's when he when another one carried him on board the craft uh, Parker said the creature stopped at the door and injected him with what he described as a go-to-hell shot. Whatever it was, it ushered him from absolute terror to a sort of peaceful apathy. I didn't care what happened then. Uh, Parker described being taken aboard the craft down a hallway and into a room where the creature placed him on an examination table made entirely of glass. According to Parker, the, at that point, gray wrinkle, a gray wrinkled creature that brought him aboard the ship left left the room that's when something came out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards uh, i never thought about it until here lately but it was like this mri i was in except the click what click wasn't that loud parker explained looking back and then it just shot back up in the ceiling uh, so basically this little object the size of a pack of cards came down from the ceiling and started going moving around his body with the, and there was a click clicking sounds 
Then a smaller being entered the, entered the room, which Parker said made him feel more at ease. He couldn't move his body, but rolled his head toward the creature. She was normal, he said. Matter of fact, if I'd been in a bar room drinking or something and was single, you know, at this time, I'd have probably asked her out on a date. It looked like a, just like a human, he explained, except for its middle fingers. Her two middle fingers were real longer than what an average person's would be. And then uh, this creature didn't say a word to him, put its left hand on uh, on his jaw and then opened his mouth. That's when she took her right hand and started running it down my throat and I started gagging. She had scratched it up really bad and it was bleeding. It was a darn mess. It pulled its hand back out. Uh, Parker had the impression that it didn't want to hurt him anymore. Then it made a groan from deep within its throat. I don't know if you ever heard a alligator's mating call where they vibrate the whole air around you, but that's how it sounded. That's when the creature that Parker said initially brought him aboard the craft uh, returned and carried him back to the bank of the river. That's where the story really starts, he said, and and then my life turned pretty much to hell right after that. Parker said his first instinct, while Hickson initially agreed with, was to not tell anyone about what happened to them. That was, you know, that's probably what most people would have done. They wouldn't would not have told anybody what happened, but these two guys eventually did. Uh, they went to the uh, sheriff department and uh, and here's what happened at the Jackson County Sheriff's Department the men were questioned separately about their experience they put in a uh, then put in a room alone together where they were secretly tape recorded on that tape they were still talking about what happened to them and how scared they were said Philip Mantle a researcher with over 40 years of experience studying UFOs whose company Flying Disc Press published Parker's two books about the abduction. I think Calvin's almost praying at, at one of them. Clark, Parker said that after the deputies listened to the secret tape recording, which he and Hickson didn't learn existed until much later, they took them more seriously. Parker urged the authorities not to tell anyone about what he and Hickson reported. I wasn't going to tell a soul, he emphasized, but when, when we got back to the shipyard the next day, they already knew. When they got to work, F.B. Walker and Son Shipyard was swarmed by news vans. Parker estimated that around 200 reporters were there hoping to talk to him and Hickson. Uh, so they, they not only did they end up talking to reporters, they ended up talking to ufologists, uh, J. Allen Hynek, uh, Dr. James, and Dr. James Harder. Uh, so it was a lot of different people. Parker later said that... Uh, 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 he, he lost his job at the shipyard because people wouldn't leave him alone. Uh, he ended up going back to his home in Laurel, uh, hoping to leave the events of October 11th behind in Pascagoula. And it started from there. It was just like a roller coaster. I went to work. The reporter would show up at work while I was working. And, you know, the people you work for, eventually they get tired of that, so I'd lose another job. Eventually, Parker went by the name Randy to avoid the constant barrage of press. And that's where I went from there, to hide. But this, but this has followed me all my life. Uh, so... You know, that's how I'm not going to read the rest of the article. I'll leave the link here so you can check it out for yourself. But as you can see, uh, it's very upsetting, uh, very upsetting. And uh, what what a, what a life! You know, you something happens that's extraordinary like that, and you you when the world finds out about it, you're basically nagged to death. And a lot more, a lot of the people would say you're a liar. Uh, for instance, if you read this, uh, read about this on uh, on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, that's basically what they say on there. They, uh, on the Wikipedia page for the Pascagoula incident, um, we're going to check that out right now. 
What's interesting here, like we were just talking, I was talking earlier about cattle mutilation on how that's handled on the Wikipedia page. Now, the Pascagoula abduction on Wikipedia pages, there's hardly any real discussion about the events that happened, right? Very, very little. But there's a big giant section here. The biggest section of this whole article on Wikipedia about the Pascagoula incident is a section where it says skepticism, right? There's no complaints here about like like on the other article about cattle mutilation. There was all these different complaints listed there, saying it's too it, this leans too much toward the fringe uh, theories here. But here on the Pascagoula abduction, it doesn't talk about hard, hardly tells you the story at all. And and it basically has and the explanation here is the skepticism section where it talks about what this late uh, skeptic philip class talked about also uh joe nickel this he's he's still around joe nickel if you if you heard these guys these guys are the most insincere disingenuous bozos ever uh as far as i'm concerned in the field of ufo disclosure as far as i'm concerned these people are right up there with uh mick west and uh stephen greenstreet uh of today they're, they're those guys today they're they're the goofballs from today but these people class and joe nickel which joe nickel is still around but uh uh, I haven't really. You don't really hear much from him anymore these days. Uh, but anyway, here's what it says. It says aviation journalist and UFO skeptic Philip Class found discrepancies in Hickson's story. Noted that Hickson refused to take a polygraph exam conducted by an experienced examiner and concluded that the case was a hoax. That's it. So it's just uh, it's a hoax. You know, these this idiot Class uh, who wasn't there. That's a hoax. I don't believe him. It's not true because I don't believe in extraterrestrials. And skeptical investigator Joe Nickel wrote that Hickson's behavior was, quote, questionable, end quote, and that Hickson later altered or embellished his claims. Nickel speculated that Hickson may have fantasized the alien encounter during a hypnagogic waking dream state and suggested that Parker's corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility because he initially told police he had passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. Like basically, what they're making it sound like here is that Parker somehow got mesmerized by uh, this Hickson's hypnagogic hypnagogic dream straight story and and went along with it for some reason. That's total nonsense. See, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. So this is look look at the stuff you have you, you put up with uh, because of the, the state of affairs and and these people like Philip Class, right? This uh, Joe Nickel. Right, these people thrive for decades. Right, made fools out of people. You know why they got away with it? Because our government has been keeping all of this secret, pretending like there's nothing to it. If they would have told us the truth from the beginning, people uh, like Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker, would, their story would have been accepted. It would have been accepted. But because of our the governments of the world, what they have done, right? Because of keep covering this thing up. Uh, morons like class the late philip class and joe nickel right they they thrive they thrive in this environment they're allowed to just make a fool out of anybody they want what a what a sad story really really sad story but uh yeah and and there's other people i i, I always when i hear like ufo researchers or or people that uh, experience these things when i hear that they die it bothers me it bothers me because they went to their graves uh, when w- without the disclosure that that they wanted, that they they th- they thought would would uh, you know change the the viewpoints of many people on on how they look how they look at them, right? And it, it didn't happen, so that that's troubling to me. So it's a sad uh, sad moment here with the the, the passing of. Uh, 
Calvin Parker, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't get the disclosure that he wanted, and here we are, and now he's gone, 68 years old, and his life he suffered a lot through life, uh, his life was made miserable because of this, and now he's gone. Anyway, I want to say thank you for joining me. Until next time.